Amen. Amen. All right. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. All right. Amen. All right, then. All right. Okay. Y'all done it already. I mean, it's, it's, um, I recently was in a class with Marcia McPhee. She is she teaches worship design, and she shared with us about time that she spends with her youth counselor from years ago. She's an 80-year-old woman, and her name is Miss Nina Reeves. And she says when they get together, Miss Nina grabs her face and looks into her eyes and she says, let us speak of the deepest things we know first. One of the deepest things I know is that God calls Resurrection MCC to demonstrate God's unconditional love to all people through Christian action. And as I share with you today on a congregation gathered, a congregation sent, I ask, this one question. How are we answering that call? Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we come today to say thank you indeed. We all come from different places and for different reasons, but we come with one intent, and that is to seek an encounter with you. May the words that I share draw us into a closer relationship with you, with ourselves, each other, and the world. It is in your name and in your spirit, I pray. Amen. I want to start with something that is obvious but often overlooked. Jesus is Jewish. <laughs> Jesus is Jewish. <laughs> and the reason I share that is that oftentimes we want to interpret scripture from a Christian perspective, and we miss the nuances of what Jesus was actually saying. So I wanted to, to remind us that Jesus is indeed Jewish, and his response was the actual cornerstone of the Jewish faith. It is called the Shema. And the reason Jesus answered with the Shema was because he wanted to prove his, his grounding, his authority to speak to issues that were involving those of the Jewish faith because his critics wanted to, to paint him as a heretic. They wanted to paint him as a troublemaker. They wanted to paint him as someone who was outside on the margins. The Shema is the cornerstone. And if you're Jewish, every morning as you rise and every night as you go to bed, you say the Shema. When a baby is born, you offer the Shema. It is said that as people went into the gas chambers, 
they offered the Shema. It said that when you die, your last breath is the Shema. It's the piece of scripture that every Jewish child learns. The book that we have been referencing, Practicing Our Faith, A Way of Life for a Searching People, encourages us to engage our spiritual practices such that they become a way of life. For those of the Jewish faith, the Shema is a way of life. It's actively loving God, actively loving others, actively loving ourselves. It's coveting. It's creating a, a sacred trust between God, ourselves, and others. For the people of the Jewish faith, the Shema is the deepest thing. A story is told about a rabbi who survived the hell of the Holocaust. During the war, when Jewish families started to get an idea of what was going on, they would take their children to Catholic orphanages during the middle of the night. They'd pin their names on them and leave them by the door. They would knock and run because they didn't want their children to be identified as Jewish. After the war, this rabbi, who was very familiar with the practice, decided that he was going to go and see if he could find these children. So he knocked on the door of his first orphanage and the mother superior invited him in. He explained his intent. Well, she said, well, I'm, I'm sorry, but there's no way to identify any of the children as Jewish. Well, he thanked her, but he, he said, may I just go in and see the children? She was moved with compassion. She invited him in. So, so many children in that orphanage. The rabbi walked into the middle of the play area. He put his hands over his eyes and he sang the Shema.
Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That they whispered in the morning. Memories of their family. Memories of their faith. Memories of their fidelity to God poured over them. They clung to this rabbi. And he said, these are the children I am here to claim. And that was those children's deepest thing. Do you know what? Their deepest thing is also our deepest thing. Because Jesus is the rabbi that came and called us out. He sang the Shema for us. He came and stood inside and still is standing in our addiction, in our abuse, in our loneliness, in our doubt, in our longing, and he sings the Shema. He gathers us as a community. He reminds us that we too are a people of the covenant. That we too are a chosen people. That we too are a royal priesthood. That we too are a holy nation. We are God's special possession. And we are called to declare the praises of the one who has called us out of, out of our isolation and abuse, out of our loneliness and addiction, out of our homelessness, out of our guilt into the marvelous light that is God's unconditional love. Jesus came and called us into community. He gathered us into this church. He gathered us into this community. And in this place, he offers healing. He offers hope. He offers wholeness. We gather and we learn to love our whole selves. And that is a very deep thing. But loving ourselves is not the final step of our journey. Because you see, the rabbi that gathers us also sends us out. We, Resurrection MCC, we, Janice, we, Goldie, we are called to demonstrate God's unconditional love to all people through Christian action. Now, I'm not talking about going and standing on street corners and handing out tracts. <laughs> but we are called to go and make disciples. 
My, my translation of going to make disciples is that we touch someone's life with unconditional love, so much so that they are transformed by that touch. It's, we've heard that song that they will know that we are Christians by They will know that we are Christians by Do you know, going out and touching, it's kind of a frightening thing, isn't it? Because Jesus calls us to touch the least of these. You know, they don't talk like us. They don't worship like us. <laughs> they don't smell like us. Doesn't negate our responsibility to go. Pastor Rudy Rasmus says that it's easy following Jesus when we don't have to move out of our comfort zone. But it's true. The unknown is frightening. But even when we're afraid, we still have to go. We still have to act. We still have to love. If we're following Jesus' lead, we are compelled to touch the untouchable. We are compelled to feed the hungry. We are compelled to visit the sick. We go to visit the imprisoned. We seek justice for everyone. We venture into the dirty, smelly places that are outside of our comfort zone. As we are called to live the good news inside and outside these walls. What could that look like in our lives? It could be as simple as saying hello to someone you don't know in this congregation today. We had a lot of hands up of new people. We can identify them by the pamphlet, say hello. It can be signing up to deliver Christmas baskets. It can be going to the Georgia Bound and actually serving Thanksgiving dinner. It can be teaching Sunday school to our young ones next door. It can be volunteering at St. John's Bread of Life. It could be becoming a big brother or a big sister. It could be at mentoring at an elementary school where English is not the first language. It can be supporting the 2013 budget. It can be seeding a Spanish language congregation. It could be donating blankets to the homeless. It can be singing in a nursing home. It's simply giving of yourself with no expectation of anything in return. 
I ask us now if we can take just a moment for some silent discernment about how we can live into the call. Open yourselves by asking this question. God, reveal to me now how I am to answer your call today that demonstrates that I have been both gathered and sent in your love. Living and loving Lord, we sing Alleluia, for it is the highest praise. We seek the deepest thing you call us into. As we live into the destiny you have for us, your people.
in the name of the Creator, the Christ, and the Counselor, we pray. Amen.